Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Services here at McKinney Flavelle. Today is June 17th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Uh, As you can see today, I will be taking over the mic from our fearless leader, Michael, for this podcast. But with me, I have two very special guests with illustrious careers in edible oil markets uh, to talk about everyone's uh, favorite oil market these days. That is Sunflower. So please uh, welcome to the stage here, Dustin Nelson and Jovic Fabregas from SF Bay Commodities. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Nicole. Good afternoon, Nicole. Hey, I'm I'm particularly uh, glad that you're able to join me after uh, Golden State's victory uh, yesterday uh, or last night. Considering your SF Bay commodities, I'm sure you were rooting for the right team during that game, right? You're definitely right, a hundred percent or more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I still got the Oakland in my blood. Apparently, uh, <laughs> I did manage to irritate a few Boston fans last night uh, with my celebration, but that's okay. Uh, now, as I mentioned, these gentlemen uh, work for SF Bay Commodities, and and their company helps clients source oils like uh, sunflower, safflower, uh, organic canola, uh, GM free oils, etc. But you know, as a matter of fact, guys, why don't I uh, allow you to give the listeners a little background on yourselves? Okay, let me start. Uh, I'm Jovic Fabregas, and um, I've had over 50 years uh, experience in the oil, edible oils industry. Uh, we must emphasize the oils, uh, not the crude fossil oils, as everybody knows, but uh, this is more on the uh, food oils. I've been uh, in the industry um, not only for the sun, saf, and, and uh, olive oils and all that, but uh, also on the tropical oils, coconut oil and uh, palm oils. And we have had this experience of uh, special special relationships with uh, uh, the, the sources uh, globally uh, from the Asia, Europe, US, Mexico, Argentina. And, and we are here to uh, provide services for, for the food industry and and all the other users of edible oil. Uh, thank you, Nicole. Awesome. Thanks, Jovic. So, Dustin, you want to uh, intro yourself as well, sir? Yeah, of course. I'm uh, Dustin Nelson. Uh, not not quite as much experience in the edible oils as Jovic, but it's been about 10 years now that I've been doing food and mostly edible oils as well. Um, so I'm, I'm joining SFA Commodities just this year, but I've known Jovic and the other partner, Carol, uh, for quite a long time now. And uh, yeah, I, I, I've I've been doing this for for about ten years now, which is which is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, and uh, we are very excited to have you here. Uh, as you see, uh, folks, the, the two two gentlemen with a lot of experience in this in these markets, and uh, we know you covet that. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today because I cannot say. Uh, enough about how swamped I am with sunflower oil market questions. <laughs> uh, probably have spoken more about sunflower oil in the past six months than the prior six years. So glad to have you here uh, with your expertise and, and your relationships uh, at, at uh, origin with a lot of these oils to lead some uh, lend to some insight. So 
of course, I guess to start, the big question everyone has is, you know, what's the update on the Ukrainian situation? What is that going to mean for sunflower oil availability even going into 2023 now, since it seems like uh, we're still pretty far from an end to all this? So what 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 do you guys think? Yeah, I um, I think that as far as the scenario goes, there's there's no telling when it ends. Um, but But, you know, on the bright side, we are starting to see that materials are making out of the Ukraine. I think in terms of processing the materials in the Ukraine, most of those processors are not really able to do so. Um, but the raw materials, the seeds are making it out. Uh, I think mostly, Jovic, you'd agree by, by rail uh, to the western border, right? Yes, uh, that's what's going on now because uh, more, most of the ports are blocked or under attack so uh, or at the risk of uh, getting damaged and all that. So... So products are going through by train, by uh, by trucks, and uh, and then the logistics parts has always been the the challenge. But uh, the materials are making it out, and there was there was a pretty big crop last year. Um, I think it was it was maybe a record crop. Uh, so there are you know although it's limited what's making it out, although there's no processing going on, you know at the very least we're seeing some of the materials make it out at least a portion of them. Um, the crop was pretty good, and and the new crop I think is mostly sowed now. Well, yes, uh, I agree with that. Last year's crop was very big, uh, was quite good. However, uh, logistics have been a challenge because of the war going on, and we still don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but things are moving along by rail, by trucks. Uh, but it's been a challenge because uh, capacities in Ukraine, crush capacities there uh, have been have been uh, uh, stopped, you know, they, they, some crush, crush, some oil mills are not operating. So it's going to other European countries now for crushing. But the problem also is the, uh, because of that, the capacities in, in the other, uh, other European countries are, are really just burdened with all these uh, problems. Crop last year was good. Now, what we have to emphasize on now is um, what happens next. Uh, this this crop right now is, uh, I believe, not doing well uh, initially because of the war. Uh, fertilizers have not been uh, have not been provided by Russia. A lot of fertilizers come from Russia, and so there's been a shortage of uh, of fertilizers for the current uh, sowing, which will affect this next crop so these are the things that we need to watch uh, carefully of what happens uh, during the next harvest wow yeah you know I, th- I think that's been a question on a lot of folks minds as well as they've seen you know there's something in the way of planting taking place uh but wondering you know to your point jovic with with a lack of fertilizer availability and just the challenging the the challenge of, of doing all this in the midst of a, a war um what those uh, sort of what can we expect out of that crop when it's all said and done mm-hmm. so i guess to that point you know between uh supplies or, or what exists <laughs> what yeah. remains uh from from this you know last year's records or, or large crop and potentially a, a much shorter crop this year. How are uh, European processors sort of responding to that, you know, with, with their own capacity constraints? Yeah, I, I think you're seeing definitely uh, some of the processors expanding their 
capacities, which is great. Um, obviously, that takes time, but it does look like, you know, that, that there is an aim to have uh, expanded capacities, at least amongst a few larger processors in uh, within the next, you know, several months to the end of the year. Um, we'll see. Again, you know, putting those projects together during all of the uh, supply chain constraints as well, that that's, that's going to create challenges and meeting those kinds of deadlines is ambitious. But, um, you know, at the very least, you know, there is a, there is a goal of uh, expanding capacity. Um, you know, I think you're seeing, um, I believe France had, had an increase uh, in terms of their plantings as well of the sunflower seed. I, I think it was a bit of a surprise that they, they exceeded their expectations. But I think if I, if I recall correctly, they're going through a bit of a dry spell right now. So we'll see how that overall right. works out as well. Uh, but I mean, I think as far as, as, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing some, some reactions to this. I think, you know, it also, as far as the supply chain out of Ukraine, um, for what is there, what's available there, the record crop from last year and even whatever makes it out from this upcoming year, you know, they're, they're being resourceful and getting it out on the Western borders. Like Jovic said, the rail and trucks and the ports aren't established yet. You know, there is, you know, there is a resourcefulness to get something out of there. So, I mean, there is, there is a, a bunch of, a bunch of responses. I also believe EU, uh, themselves, uh, froze their biodiesel blending, uh, mandates, or there's at least talk of doing that, mm, which yeah. will allow for more to be available for food. Um, so I think, you know, uh, a lot's going on in Europe to try and, and, and pivot and make, you know, and make the right moves, uh, to support this. Makes sense. Yeah. As we, uh, have, uh, come to a term we use quite often at McKinney and and in the industry that there's no better fertilizer than money. Uh, So you got to imagine both just the sheer need uh, of uh, vegetable oil in the global market and these, uh, you know, historically high prices uh, has got uh, folks in the mind state of, of all hands on deck to try to come up with a solution. Right. But you know what? Speaking of solutions, uh, the other question that I'm, I'm uh, posed with on a regular basis is, well, if we continue to struggle with sunflower oil availability, what's a viable substitute for me? What is some, what's another oil that's going to give me you know, similar characteristics that I can in- potentially incorporate uh, into my, my food, my product formulation to, to offset what I might not be able to obtain uh, in the, in the space of sunflower oil. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's been a lot of uh, different approaches that we've seen. Um, I think in terms of, you know, especially high oleic sunflower oil, um, the, the most technical, you know, mat, the best technical match is probably a high oleic safflower oil. That, that oil itself it can be a bit limited as well. Um, you know, in terms, it's a bit of a niche crop and the availability would not typically be anywhere near, uh, on the level of sun. I think Jovic will talk quite a bit about that. I know he's, he's, he's quite yeah. versed in that. So sapphire oil, while being a great technical match, you know, is not always the, the right option. And, and in some cases, you don't need it to be uh, a perfect technical match for the sunflower oil. So I think some of the other ones we're seeing is canola, uh, is, is rather popular. Uh, I think soy, corn, and palmoline are all being viewed as as viable options as well. And I think your end use is kind of going to determine, you know, how how close of a technical match do you need on that. I think palm and soy, you know, their prices are recently softening. Right. 
so that helps as well. You may see some pivot to, to some of those. Uh, but again, I think in general, uh, it, it'll vary the different oils that'll substitute. Jovic, what do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I, I agree. The best, uh, the best match in terms of chemistry, oil chemistry for uh, Hyolex sunflower is a uh, Hyolex safflower. Uh, the availability of safflower is definitely uh, not as, as uh, wide as uh, sunflower because the, the acreage or the planting uh, planting size, you know, the size of production is uh, very limited. Safflower is a very specialized uh, oil. Just to give you a little background, uh, the U.S. Uh, safflower planting uh, years ago, uh, it used to be planted in about three, 300, 400,000 acres now. Now we're down to about thirty-five to forty thousand acres a year. Wow! So and uh, the again uh, also the uh, the uh, availability is very limited. There's only two crushing plants now that handle the uh, safflower crushing uh, of 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 a good capacity, and they're all they're both in California, and so uh, uh, Mexico is another source that we uh, we usually regularly have uh, safflower from. But the acreage in, in Mexico has also dropped down uh, from about eighty to 90,000 hectares uh, per year. Now it's down to about 40,000 hectares. So safflower uh, is not a very uh, high income earner for farmers mm-hmm. because uh, how, uh, although it's, it's got a high uh, oil content, uh, it's got like 38, 40% oil content. And uh, and so the balance is the dry is the uh, the meal. Uh, however, the meal value for safflower safflower seeds from safflower seeds is very very low uh, because mm. uh, the uh, because of the protein uh, content on safflower meal, which is uh, about twenty percent. Wow! Uh, so so the byproduct doesn't have a value to help the value of the oil. So. So that's why the oil uh, value for safflower has always been at a premium over other oils. Mm. Uh, there's a very specific use for safflower uh, in the health, uh, you know, in the healthy foods market and some baby formulas and all that. But uh, again, the the in the past people were looking for substitute to safflower, which is more available. But now because of the war in Ukraine. You know, everybody's looking for substitute to sun, and it's not really a uh, a good substitute because the, uh, the availability is very limited. Uh, Argentina uh, also has uh, safflower production, but the the production area in Argentina, which is in the north, uh, in the Salta Tucuman region, uh, it's their weather pattern there is very erratic and. Uh, and the 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 product the production is very unpredictable. Mm. So really, the the best source for safflower is only the U.S. and and Mexico. Uh, the planting season is different. You know, it has a planting season in in the U.S. is March April and harvest September October, and in in Mexico this the planting season is December Feb December to February. And the harvest uh, would be in uh, mid mid uh, mid year, so it just uh, it's a good uh, a good flow of uh, inventories. But again, the size of the crop is is very low. The main thing that uh, consumers or users of uh, the sunflower oil 
that uh, sometimes becomes a problem is the labeling issue for their products. Right. They have to right. be flexible on on the uh, type of oil. Uh, before uh, it used to be, uh, you know, you had to be very specific on your on your label. But nowadays, uh, you have to to open up your labels to allow safflower, sunflower, or canola, whichever is available, basically, or whichever is cheaper. Uh, the other uh, point of concern about food manufacturers is the and, and even the fla- the, uh, the infant formula um, baby formulas is the flavor profile right safflower is probably the best uh, oil for infant formula especially because of the sensitivity of flavor to infants safflower is very bland sunflower has a slight taste on it which sometimes is not as uh, as acceptable to to certain you know certain uh, users canola definitely has the probably the uh, heaviest uh, aftertaste so so in terms of uh, best product for sensitive uh, sensitivity for flavor is safflower because it's bland you can add on the flavor you want to safflower and it has no uh, aftertaste for the uh, of the oil. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem. And uh, so, in terms of uh, substitute, as uh, we, you were asking uh, before earlier, um, the substitute for sun high oleic sunflower, you can interuse uh, safflower and canola. Supposedly, for the chemistry of the oil, it's exactly the same. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, it, it's funny. It seems. Uh... You know, because that's that's like I said, I mentioned uh, at the at the start of the podcast. You know, most of my world has been soy, canola, palm, the other tropicals, uh, and then the occasional, uh, you know, more niche market. And that that question has been one uh, that I've offered up to to users as in, you know, why why are you using uh, sunflower? And I think a lot of companies are kind of evaluating you know, the, the rationale behind that in some cases, you know, a little challenging, you know, to find that perfect substitute reformulate when, for instance, you know, they need a GM free oil and, and, you know, that's how, uh, sunflower comes into play for them Mm -hmm. and why they've, you know, maybe, uh, in the past stayed away from soy or, or, or canola or something of that sort. So I think that's good, really good information though, for them to, uh, understand you know both in terms of kind of short-term versus long-term solution mm-hmm. and you know in that you know a lot of clients have struggled with canola this year too because of what happened with the canola crop in canada that maybe this year mm-hmm. will this upcoming year will offer some uh more viable longer-term options for them to or at least give them a little more flexibility in that usage yeah in terms of uh, the sensitivity of use, uh, you know, you mentioned about the, the commodities like soy, canola, and all that. Most of these are solvent-extracted oil. Sunflower is, uh, uh, goes through a different process. It goes through expeller processing, and then uh, whatever the, the residual oil in the meal goes through, uh, through a solvent extraction. So the more health-conscious uh, uh, users would prefer expeller oil. So uh, for for safflower, uh, the crushers uh, normally separate the expeller extracted oil, which is uh, free from the solvent extraction or free from the chemical use of solvents. 
So uh, that, that's even uh, more, you know, a specific usage. Uh, users use the expeller oil for health uh, health reasons. Uh, you know, they they uh, they prefer not to have any uh, any uh, exposure to solvents. So soy is specifically just solvent extraction because the uh, the, the oil content on soy is about twenty percent, and right. mostly is meal. So crushers actually crush for meal, right? And their their uh, byproduct is oil. In safflower and canola, it's a different story. Mm, gotcha. So so uh, some for marketing reasons and for health reasons, uh, people use the, specifically on their label. It's expeller pressed oil. Gotcha. Uh, which usually demands some premium too. So and to speak to that um, as well, you know, with canola, uh, we're doing with a non-GM and expeller pressed on the canola out of Europe. So I think, you know, there are viable mm-hmm. options with canola there, uh, especially with the non-GM crop coming out of Europe to, as, a, as a really viable substitute. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it, you know, along with folks looking at the various oils that could uh, make sense for them in, in, a, in a pinch or even, you know, for longer term consideration. Uh, also thinking more from a kind of global standpoint, because I think that too, uh, for a lot of users, you know, the the focus has always been kind of the what's cheapest and what's available domestically. But that if you're, you're looking at these uh, more um, organic or GM free, that you can, you know, also be kind of looking across the pond and there's options there that can uh, uh, solve uh, some of that issue for you as well. So uh, all very, very good information, guys. I got one more question. Um, Knowing that Mm -hmm. uh, to your point, you know, there may be a variety of oils to look at just based on, you know, their typical kind of supply uh, situations. What what sort of is your outlook for safflower in twenty two twenty three? Do you think that uh, all this t- kind of took place early enough to maybe get a little expansion in that acreage? And with the uh, prices um, being <laughs> considerably higher than what they normally are, would there have been some incentive to increase uh, some of that safflower production uh, this year? Or you know, even considering you know, some flour from a broader base uh, globally in terms of production? Well, let me touch on the availability of safflower for, for this coming crop. In the U.S., the, uh, the sowing season, as I said earlier, you know, it's uh, March to April, May, early May up to early May. And so it's pretty much done. These uh, higher prices have really just uh, happened in the last two months. So so a lot of uh, most of the uh, plantings in the US is already over. Right. So so there's no chance in uh, increasing the acreage for safflower in the US. So I I would expect uh, availability here at the most would be about 15,000 tons of oil uh, to, for the for the season uh, which is not very much for safflower. Again, the uh, you know in order to compete with uh, with other crops uh, safflower would not be able to compete uh, with wheat, corn, which are also at record highs. Mm-hmm. In uh, Mexico, uh, probably this coming uh, sowing would be a uh, uh, would be possible because their planting season there is uh, December to February. 
so it's still upcoming. Mm. And with the higher prices, uh, if if uh, the farmers, uh, you know, the farmers obviously will expect higher uh, revenue for their safflower. But again, in Mexico, the subsidies goes to production of uh, of wheat mainly and corn. Safflower is uh, less subsidized. I don't know if it's even subsidized now. Uh, it used to be subsidized crop, but now uh, I think in the last couple of years uh, they have dropped the subsidy for for safflower because it's a very small crop and and it's you know it's very specialized and and uh, the government uh, encourages more for wheat planting or corn planting and that's where all the subsidies go to uh, but that's uh, with the higher prices maybe maybe the crushers uh, will uh, will encourage farmers to grow more but this year this year's crop was terrible mm. in argentina it's another area where there there possibly uh, we used to grow uh, up to 70,000 80,000 hectares in argentina last year they barely planted 10,000 wow uh, this year the planting season in uh, Argentina is uh, um, March, April, May, so it's also pretty much over. Uh, and they probably have planted this year only twenty-five thousand ton, uh, twenty-five thousand hectares, uh, which is not very much. Last year they they uh, they harvested only about about five thousand tons of seeds, which mm. is really nothing. Wow. Now the problem in Argentina is the the weather. The weather pattern there is uh, very erratic. Uh, they have had a drought over the last three years, so the growing uh, areas in the north uh, have really been uh, hammered by a drought. And they do not irrigate in Argentina. Mm. And safflower doesn't need much, uh, much water, but, but, uh, so they depend more on rain. So if it doesn't rain, then the, the crop goes, goes, you know, dried. Right. It's 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 a terrible situation for safflower, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah. Usually, I'm the one depressing people on these yeah. podcasts, Joey. I think I think you take uh, you get the award this yeah. week. <laughs> but you know, you know the the nice thing is uh, because of the uh, you know sometimes uh, there could be a spot load here and there that uh, that can be available for safflower. Sure. Yeah. So so uh, having the flexibility of using. Uh, either or, uh, you mm, know, mm -hmm. whichever is available or whichever is cheaper, is always good for the users. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, uh, the process of changing labels, which uh, is an issue <laughs> because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, product labels are, are uh, printed for the, uh, with, you know, uh, millions, millions of uh, labels are already pre-printed. And adding on a, a line in a label sometimes could be costly, but right. whenever it's necessary, it has to be done. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah so, so in terms of uh, production or availability, safflower will remain tight in the next uh, couple of years. Gotcha. And on the other hand, uh, sunflower, depending on how what happens with the war uh, in Ukraine, you know, what happens uh, with uh, what what our friend uh, Putin uh, is going to do there, you know, hopefully it doesn't go far enough or uh, any, any farther than what, uh, and, and make more damage than what, is, what has been done already. Uh, the logistics remain to be bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ocean freight has gone crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's we're definitely seeing that, that to, say, to say the least, you know, we're paying 10 times uh, more on freight now than ever before. Right. Now, how far, uh, how, how long it will continue? That's, uh, that's a big question mark. Agreed. Well, this has been incredibly insightful. Before I wrap up, Dustin, anything, uh, anything else you'd, you'd like to throw out there before we close out this week's podcast? Yeah, uh, I think uh, just echoing what Jovic said, uh, we know that lab- relabeling and, and dealing with all that can be a, a hassle, but there's just so many uh, you know, potential ways that this thing can go that any potential to have some flexibility will be, will be great. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential for some of these crops to have, you know, uh, decent availability. Uh, but again, all it takes is one thing, regional logistics or pent up demand kind of, uh, coming in or, or, uh, I mean, even weather affecting these crops and, 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 the whole dynamic can change. So, you know, flexibility is always good. And, uh, you know, we're at SF Bay Commodities. We, we work with a lot of these oils, so we'd love to hear from, uh, from everyone out there. Yeah, this, I mean, this has been great guys. Uh, I've learned a lot in this conversation. I'm sure our listeners have as well, uh, arguably most importantly, that uh, they do have a group here that they can reach out to, uh, to kind of work through, those substitutable uh, possibilities and get some good, some good insight on, you know, what the future might hold for, for those products. So, and, you know, I can speak personally, there's been more than a few times you've helped me uh, in a pinch. (laughs) So I'm sure uh, others uh, would appreciate that as well, but thanks again, guys. Uh, Appreciate Dustin Jovic. Thank you for taking time out today. It's great. Yeah. Nicole, just, uh, just another uh, em- emphasis here. Uh, I- I'd like to thank you for allowing us to, uh, to be in this podcast. Uh, just to let everybody know, uh, we represent the VFI, uh, which is a, a sizable plant, uh, a crushing plant. They have refineries, uh, you know, a couple of refineries in Europe. And even in Ukraine, so yeah. and, and Romania, so uh, we do represent them for North American market, and uh, they are probably the largest uh, organic oils uh, processors in uh, uh, in the world. So, so uh, if you need any organic oils or uh, organic uh, sun, organic linoleic sun, organic canola, organic corn, organic non-GMO soy, we got it. Awesome. All right. Well, you heard it there, folks. Pretty much your go-to for whatever you need in those specialty categories. But again, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for for taking some time out with me today. Just a a couple of reminders uh, for the listeners. First, if you're new to the edible oil space or just want to be more familiar with any of those markets, uh, McKinney Flavel does offer an edible oils 101, very comprehensive covering all the price driving factors for these markets, including that supply and demand and the relationship between these markets, including a a little discussion on some of the technical aspects and how those play into what makes sense for what. So if you're interested in that, you can certainly reach out uh, to me uh, at Nicole at McKinney-Lavelle.com or just give us a call uh, 510-832-2866. And secondly, we are having our summer market outlook webinar next week. That's June 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern. And with all the uncertainty on on acreage, we've we've been uh, talking about some of the lesser knowns, but we've got just as much uncertainty as it relates to uh, our our more traditional uh, large volume crops here. 
so you're definitely going to want to join us for that where we cover uh, corn, soybean, soybean oil, wheat, and sugar. Another one that's of uh, a lot of interest to folks these days. Uh, So that's going to wrap up our weekly Hot Commodity Podcast. Special thanks again to our guests today and to everyone for listening in. And as Mike always says, live with an attitude of gratitude. Until next time, take care. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks, guys. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights Podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.